0: You're listening to a Broadmoor Podcast production.
1: Today, we have a lot to talk about on the podcast. We're going to cover the last two weeks' sermons, which dive into Romans chapter 2. In chapter 2, we see that none of us are righteous, that there are no exceptions. And it begins to pull back the the layers are the view that the Jews had about the law and being God's chosen people. Today, we're going to talk about what is the law? What does that mean for us as believers? It's a great discussion, uh, and we're glad that you joined us. This is After the Message. Hey, guys. Welcome to After the Message. Mm, hey, Sean. Awesome. Hello.
2: Hello. Uh, that was a higher pitch than I was used, used to. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> sorry. for a second there.
1: Yeah, I know. Mike's, uh, Mike's out of the today. Right
2: response. Mike is out today. And
1: I think we probably should start off by saying we're sorry for not yes. getting a podcast, a podcast done uh, last week. It last just, week. Failures. Just schedules, I mean like we had All kinds kind of, of retreat, We were gone all I kinds honestly of didn't
2: even know we didn't do it until Sunday And people started fussing at me and I'm like wait I didn't what either. <laughs> I, I actually assumed that y'all
0: failures? did it And I was just not that's on it I that thought. week And then oh, I heard we didn't exactly do it. What yeah. I so, I did it I thought I got trumped by. But we're going to make it better today
1: We're going to make it better We're, we're, gonna, two we're for, going to cover two for one All of Romans chapter 2 Oh boy Yes. Which means so we, we have, might be here a while. So yeah. we, have, uh, we have Kinsley in here. Yeah, we have Josh Kinsley who preached uh, two weeks ago, and then uh, so if you hear us mention Josh, we may have to it's clarify today. Uh-huh. Yes, yeah. right? how so are we going to oh. do
3: that? I mean, I'm Bratty to most people, so yeah, yeah. I mean, right. Bratty so, Kinsley. Bratty, bratty Kinsley yeah.
1: today. That's right. I'm going to call you J.K. J.K. <laughs> <laughs> So just as we, uh, as we look at uh, Romans chapter two, um, which all of this really just goes together, mm-hmm. as we've said this before, uh, don't forget, this was a letter written by Paul. Mm-hmm. And so they're not reading it a piece at a time, but they're getting all of this at once. So, um, so even as we jump into chapter two and looking at this whole idea of Paul kind of turning his focus to the Jews... Um, knowing that he's writing to a congregation of Jews and Gentiles, um, he has some rather pointed things to say. And um, and so Josh has or should I say Kinsley? <laughs> there <laughs> he already, is like, what? Already what? Already Kinsley. Uh, Kinsley. Oh, start. Start. Yeah, like like, whoop? <laughs> so, so Kinsley, as you reflect back to the first part of chapter two, um, just kind of what what was your what was your major takeaway for you as a pastor, but also as you spoke to our congregation, what, what were you hoping that people would grasp and hold on to from that sermon?
4: Yeah, I think that we are not the exception. Mm. And when I say we, you, me, I am I am not the exception because I think for me even studying to preach this text, that was the conviction in my heart mm. is that – because I th- I think that all the time, mm. all the time about anything, that I, I can be the exception to the rule. People don't think of me as that badly or – or I'm not as bad as that person. I'll tell you and especially in especially my younger years, high school, college, like that was my mindset. Is that, you know, I I do what I'm supposed to do, my parent raised my parents raised me the right way. And so I'm the exception to a lot of this. And it no. Hmm. I'm not. None of us are. And so I think for just my the biggest takeaway from me and the conviction of my heart and with that what I would love just our congregation to to get is there is no good in us even when we do good things apart from Christ those things aren't godly. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, so I think for me that that was my big takeaway from from the passage and just the need again we've 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 said this over and over but the need seeing the need that for Jesus the all the terrible all the bad and understanding that and having to deal with that through these first few chapters to understand how great and good God is yeah. so. I think for me that was <laughs> that was my biggest takeaway from yeah. from that text, and and what I hope our our people saw and and heard.
1: Yeah, that's right. So so I I think as we were preparing, uh, a question that came up was as you think about that being the high school pastor, how does that begin to shape your student ministry? Um, but also, I think as we listen to you answer this question. I think we ought to think about how, how it even shapes our parenting, yeah. right? Yeah,
4: so. yeah, and so uh, you know that that's an interesting question because I would say even growing up, thinking back on my student ministry days, mm-hmm. being a part of a student ministry, um, it is easy for a teenager to hear, "I need to be better. I need to mm-hmm. act better. I need to behave mm-hmm. a certain way," and if we're not careful as student pastors or Life group leaders, servant leaders, uh that's that's the easy that's the easy message. That's what kind of bubbles up in mm-hmm. a student's mind. Like that's what we're hearing. And so I think making sure that our students know that it's not behavior mod, mm-hmm. it is life change. Mm-hmm. It is 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 soul modification. And so mm-hmm. looking at why when the Bible says let's just Let's just take a big one for students. When a, when when the Bible says to obey your authorities, and so we talk about in the sense of you should not pertain, you should not take alcohol, partake in alcohol. Thank you, whatever I'm trying you to say. It. Uh, until you are 21 years old, that's what the law says we obey our authorities. It's not it's not just just it's not just about following our the law that is set here in America or in Mississippi or whatever. It is about that we are honoring God in that mm-hmm. and that our soul has changed. So we talk about, we, we've brought up the transformational. Like our, our faith is transformational in the sense of it is transforming our lives. So no longer are we trying to do this just to be good. No longer are we trying to do this just to render ourselves back to God or repay God for what he's done for us. We do this because God did this for us, mm-hmm. because he, gave, he gives us free salvation and we call on the name of the Lord, that that is ours, and we are his people. And so, again, doing that out of a, a transformational heart where God has changed me, so I do this so that others would see the change that he has made in my life, not just to be better or to yeah. do better mm-hmm. or try to try to make God smile on me or favor me more in life. And mm-hmm. so... As far as what that looks like for for our student ministry, I think that drives everything. Mm-hmm. And if we're not careful, then we just become a student ministry that's trying to behave better or look better, or mm-hmm. you know, people see our students out and go, well, "That's that's a Broadmoor kid," and we know that by that's how they behave, whether that's on the good side of it or the bad side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I think it has to continue to drive that spiritual transformation. In us, what God has done in us and for us has to drive everything that we do as a student ministry, or we get we get caught in a rut.
2: Yeah, that's really good. That's really good. Just encouraging as a as a dad who has you know a child in the student ministry and more to come. And I I know you're under pressure, you know, and and I think you handle it well, but the pressure is. How do I keep a big student ministry in a big church and a big community that's wealthy and affluent and has a bunch of student ministries in several different churches? The 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 temptation and the urge, and I felt it when I did student ministry is to impress, to attract, mm-hmm. to keep up. And it's easy to get the eye off the ball and say, What is my mm. goal as a student pastor? That's right. Yeah. And um and I just appreciate the clarity in that. And and, and the fight against the temptation, because it is a temptation to to use your power, authority in the lives of kids who look up to you and, and turn to manipulation or behavior modification or, you know, what can we do to um, get these kids to look better and act better. Right. Mm-hmm. So that we feel better about our student ministry. That's right. Versus being patient preaching the gospel and letting the gospel transform. Mm-hmm. That's,
3: right. that's a great word that, that you just used. And I, I would say in, in getting two and a half years and watching Kinsley um, lead our student ministry, and I know you've been here longer than that, but that's the time that I've been here, patient would be how I would describe mm-hmm. it, um, very patient mm-hmm. in the sense mm-hmm. of you you have a clear understanding of the gospel. You have a clear understanding of, of what you hope to implement in this church. And your ministry has been marked by patience, uh, and that's mm. been a beautiful thing yeah. to watch. Uh, that's right. and as Mark would would say mm-hmm. as well, mm-hmm. I'm thankful my son uh, is in in your ministry now, um, because it, it, I hope what is happening is you are reinforcing a lot of the things that that we are teaching uh, right. at home. Right. Um, but you know, a lot of that is is different. Where I would say that you are a patient person to go along with your patient ministry. I want to be a patient person, <laughs> and I am not. That, that that And so I move, I start with patience. I start with, let's have a discussion about the soul. Let's have a discussion mm-hmm. about why your heart is broken in these pieces and we're manifesting sin in these ways. And then when that communication fails I'm like alright we're done talking about the soul I need you to <laughs> stop acting crazy change. quit right. being dumb right. stop doing crazy things that's, now that's <laughs> exactly
4: right so, that's <laughs> a, and that's yeah. a that's definitely a podcast for another day <laughs> right. like, I, I do the same thing with my kids right. I can be oh, as patient absolutely. as I want you know, with s- any student yeah. but when it comes to my two beautiful oh, man. little yeah. girls yeah Sometimes the beauty is taken away by yes. the actions that they do. <laughs> so, at the end of the day, I, I feel this. Yes. we need well, each well, other. What a, a great group. reminder,
0: though. Yeah, because it's not just how do we do it in the church or in mm. the ministries within the church, but it's what do we do at home and how do those things line up? And I, I think we all struggle to stay the course of yeah. what's going on in their heart. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, you, you think of all the stories that you hear of, of students that, appeared to kind of have it all together and then maybe got to college and then it just completely <laughs> fell apart. That's right. And part of what you see in that, I think, is sometimes that the beha- they learn to control the behavior under certain settings. Mm. And then when they got into a different setting, it was like, well, I don't have to control the behavior anymore.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And the heart really wasn't, the you know, uh, along. The- <laughs> it was along for the ride, but it hadn't caught up yet. That's Absolutely. Right. That is exactly
4: right. And I, yeah. I think it's it, that's why it's so important. It's just even... Parents, if you're listening, you have preschoolers right now. Like, m- make the commitment now to read the Bible with your kids every night. Mm. Make the commitment now to teach those things. If you, I, we can get in the Madison world, we can get caught up in travel ball and soccer and cheerleading and and all the things, and, and that's fine. Like, I want our kids to be to go and have fun and desire what do the things they want to do, but even. When you do those things, like what are you what are you teaching your kids along with that? Mm-hmm. And so I just I always think about those things, especially when high schoolers get ready to graduate. The commitment that parents will make when their kids are young to to keep these things, to do these, things, to be to be Deuteronomy six. Mm-hmm. That is what's going to change your kid's life. Mm-hmm. We are here to partner. We are not the primary disciplers, mm-hmm. And I understand there's sometimes we have to be the adopted parents and, and those things. But for our parents to do that and to make that commitment now, I just – I think that makes an eternal difference mm-hmm. in our yeah, kids' lives, a good especially word. as they yeah. get older.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, okay. I'm sitting here, and I'm, I'm looking around, and I heard us all kind of speak to it. But the four of us sitting in this room uh, have students inside of Josh's mm-hmm. – Student ministry, yeah, right. Um, and just that whole you, you spoke to it, Preston. Yeah. Is not forgetting. It's not just about what the student ministry can do, but what are we as parents going to commit to, and um, and and kind of what are we going to teach? What are we going we going to hold as priority in those students' lives? Um, and and I think which which kind of brings us really to a point of I think sometimes as parents we think. Well man, if I can just get my kid to the church, mm-hmm. if I can get them baptized, if I can get them to participate in some student activities, then everything's going to be all right. Mm. And we begin to to see that maybe even as parents we might be able to create that idea of an exception. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. instead of helping our kids examine their hearts and, and say, you know that they're they're sinful, that mm. they're broken and that they need Jesus um and i think that leads us into really what we talked about yesterday is that oftentimes uh as paul's talking to the jews here they begin to see themselves as an exception mm-hmm. because they were doing religious things mm-hmm. um and so just as we reflect on um chapter 2 verses um 17 through 29 like kind of what uh Josh Brady <laughs> yes so as you, uh, as you think about that, what's, what's the thing that kind of stood out to you most uh, out of that passage?
3: Yeah, I, I think so far, and I know yesterday I said in you know, a good hermeneutic, you don't want to apply you to the text immediately. And uh, hopefully we, we did that okay, but now we can a little bit. Uh, <laughs> right. And so the thing that I loved, the thing that I appreciated most about this text is it was, for me, the clearest example of where I live. Um, because it, it wasn't even just what the Jews did that, that made them feel exceptional. It was really who they were, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So it was the family they grew up in. Mm-hmm. It's the family that they came from. It's the lineage that they had behind their name. They were people of the covenant. They had the scar to prove it. They had the law for generations and generations. And they would say, we we are God's chosen. What are you talking about? Why why wouldn't we be exceptional? And I, I think, you know, to, to Kinsley's point uh, – of course, there are things in our life where we can become boastful uh, because of things that we've done. But I think the scariest thing, particularly where we live in the really churched South, is uh, I think some of the the most damning boasting comes from who we are from. My grandma did this. My yeah. my my great grandparents were were this in the church. I, I I'm on the cradle roll. I grew up mm-hmm. in, the, in the church, and and it's this idea that. I've always belonged. And and I think that's one of the biggest uh-huh. things we fight, particularly when we understand sinfulness, depravity, and the need for salvation. When we ask some people, hey, when when did when did the Holy Spirit convict you of your sin? Right. And when did you confess your need to Christ and ask him to bring salvation into your life? And, and a lot of times we'll hear, well, I mean, I've always been a Christian. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. You, Nobody's always been a Christian. Right. Like We're born broken. We, we may come from religious people. We may come from a great pedigree, which is not a bad thing. We may grow up with the word. We may grow up even getting baptized early because I, I can understand parents trying to get them to make a decision so the pressure's off, right? But nobody's born a Christian. Right? We're right. born broken. We're, we're, we're born with a sin nature inside of us that rebels against God. We may know a lot about him. We, we may know the things of him. But we, we don't love him naturally, and that has to be a supernatural work that's in us. And so mm-hmm. as we work through this, I think that was the, the clearest message for me because, mm-hmm. you know, when we talk about the general depravity of man, I can get all on board with that because I think I, we all have tendencies there. This is where my arrogance lives. Uh-huh. I'm a paid clergyman. Mm-hmm. I do this for a living. I have a doctorate degree in this. I Like all the things I could say, look at me. This is what I've done. I must be the exception. I'm right. not like that mm-hmm. poor sinner uh-huh. over there. No, what Paul's saying no none none of that matters. You are in desperate need, just like every other soul on this planet, but Jesus is sufficient for you as well. That's a beautiful picture
1: uh-huh. Uh-huh. so as you as we dive into this passage and we come across this whole idea of the Jews holding on to the law right and um, saying we've received the law, we're um, we're, we're even keepers of the mm-hmm. law. How how do we today begin to distinguish between um, what truly makes us a Christian, a believer, belonging to Christ, and the idea of keeping the law? Like right? mm-hmm. so, does that? I think the whole tension that, that we often find is like so. If I'm a, if I'm a Christian, then the law doesn't matter anymore. Mm-hmm. Or, or so. What what is that? What is that tension? What is that balance? And how do we navigate that? And when we talk about, I think another question is when we talk about the law. What exactly do we mean? And yeah. so let's right? start with that question. Okay, mm-hmm. I think
3: that's fair to to build that case. Uh, it is my understanding, unless anybody wants to give a, a differing view. Whenever Jewish people, particularly, speak of the law, they're speaking of the Pentateuch. They're, right. they're speaking of the Torah, the the first five books right. of the Bible, mm-hmm. uh, and it is in that it is the law of Moses um, that God gives to Moses on Mount Sinai, and He is He is giving them this this idea of something that is going to to keep them safe. It's gonna. It's. Uh, some people would see it as oppressive, and, and probably is because there are things in there that we just, in ourselves, we can't keep. Hmm. But the, the goal of the law was always to keep us safe, give us guardrails to keep us pointed towards God. Right. Um, but in our depravity and in our sinful nature, we always rebelled against it. They did, we did, and as we read through, particularly the New Testament and Hebrews, the law was always meant – to point us to something better, to the, to the mm-hmm. salvation that God was going to provide. It was never meant to save, which I think is where the Jews got confused. Mm-hmm. So before we jump into to the second question, the first question, as I understand it, is when they say the law, it's the first five books. Not necessarily what the prophets are saying yet, but Jesus has asked a question later on, and, and we'll get to that in a little while as well. But when he talks about the law, it's the first five books. Mm-hmm. So, definitionally, is that okay, as we start there? Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah.
4: I, I think that's right. Even from when I was preparing for the first part of two, because I kind of we kind of we had to answer that question and so and i think for for me when I was looking at it, it was like six hundred and thirteen laws in the first five books of our Bible, and I think for for me that is the overwhelming hmm. reality i can't, can't I can't keep, keep ten right I definitely can't keep six hundred and thirteen right, so I think going into that it's it i mean just the the brokenness and the reality of there's nothing I can do here. Mm -hmm. Nothing I can do
3: to keep all of those. Mm -hmm. Right. So ask your, ask your first question. Secondly.
1: So then how do, how (laughs) do we, yeah, that's right. How do we then basically live out our Christian life? Yeah. If, if we, if we believe that faith is what saves us and is only through Christ alone, how do we balance out now keeping the law? Yeah
2: let me let me say it this way in in the way i felt it um because i in, in the way you're asking the question I, I i resonate with because i think the heart of the issue is what you were getting to yesterday sunday which is exactly something that we would all agree on it, it is the heart that leads mm-hmm. us to obedience and It's a sign, I think is the word you used, that we are walking in obedience. Mm -hmm. Um, The question with with, with what Sean is asking, I think what resonates with me, is for those in the room that say, okay, if my heart is changed, does that mean I need to then go find all 613 commands and strive to keep those 613? I I know I can't, but because my heart's changed, I want to – strive to keep all six hundred and thirteen. Mm-hmm. Is that is that what we is that what we expect of the believer who's had a heart change to then go identify six hundred and thirteen and strive to keep those as a reflection of my heart change. Um yeah, I think
0: that I think that's the question is where does the law fit into mm-hmm. our current
4: uh-huh.
0: and I and I think a part of that is there are certain laws that we look back at and we would go, well, no doubt that still applies. I mean, I'm not supposed to murder. I, that still applies to me. But what do I do with some of the laws that are, you know, <laughs> we were talking about one earlier about mildew. If you mm-hmm. find mildew on your clothing or not not weaving two fabrics together, things mm-hmm. like that. What do we do with those laws
3: in our context right. today? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So once I answer so, that like, one, yeah. <laughs> that fun. All right, I'll take a stab at it. So uh, in in the idea, so so you go back... The best I can do here, right, is to go to what Jesus said, right? <laughs> there you right. go. and, and I good think place he to is go. the bridge that bridges That's right. the, the Gentile and the Jew together, and so he's asked, because no doubt this law is oppressive to everyone, uh, even to the Jew, mm-hmm. and they are longing for the day to see a Messiah come, but it was their understanding that when he came, abolishing the law would be number one on the priority list. So they ask him, did you come to abolish the law? So, so Matthew chapter five, verse 17, this is in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish them, but to fulfill them, mm-hmm. right? And so in that, and here's where I think we, we can get, it, it's not clear. Uh, it's actually pretty, pretty muddled, but I think that's part of the Christian life, right? That in our new heart, Our goal is not to fulfill every letter of the law because Christ did that. Mm -hmm. Our goal is to follow Christ Mm -hmm. and what he calls Mm -hmm. us to do. Now, again, here's where it gets muddled. Some people would say, great, I want to follow Christ. And they believe that that's whatever, whatever feeling they have in the moment or every thought that crosses their mind or whatever Facebook post that comes along or whatever Bible study they're in, that that's the leading of Christ. That's incredibly dangerous. Uh-huh. Hmm. We we don't want to live there. That is not the truth. And so that's why it is imperative that we are people of the entire word. Hmm. That's right. So where the Jews would say the law is the first five books of the Bible, and it contains all 600 plus of those laws, we are people of the 66 books, hmm. that we we have the, the totality, we believe, of God's holy inspired and errant word, and it's in that that we live according to the heart of the law, which points directly in beats in Christ Jesus. Mm. And so that that's where I would live. Right. Mm. And so to say that you would have to go and, and sort out your moldy clothes and bring them to the priest. <laughs> now, again, we can be clear. If you have some good stuff that you don't want at your house yeah. and it's high quality material, bring it to you, mold, let you check it out. I'll take it. Yeah. I'll <laughs> wash it. It'll be great as long as it's high quality. <laughs> And it would be biblical. It would right. be biblical, right? So in that, but, but I don't think it, the idea is for us to go back and toil with every letter of the law. Christ did that for us. Mm-hmm. And, and that part was finished. But I don't think it's right for us to throw the law out right. in the sense of the heart of it, because the right. heart was always guardrails mm-hmm. to keep us facing where we need to go. Right. It was always given to keep us safe or God's people safe and walking in the direction that they want. It is in their rebellion that they broke against the law. Mm-hmm. I don't think the law and, was oppressive if, if the law were given pre-Genesis 3. I don't think it's oppressive. Mm-hmm. I think it's beautiful. I think for whatever reason, God, because I think a lot of those laws also, I don't think there's mildew pre-Genesis 3. Mm-hmm. Like, I think a lot of this is God's response mm-hmm. to a fallen world that these fallen people are living in. Mm. Right. But Jesus comes to fulfill that. And so our heartbeat is Christ and his fulfillment of the law as opposed to what we can do to keep the law.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's where I would land. That's here. right. That's, that's, good. that's good. Yeah. I would, I would even say, like, the whole idea of, of facing, like you brought about, it kept, keeps us facing in the right direction. Um, if, we, if we do go back to those first five books, um, specifically Leviticus, mm-hmm. right? There was this idea that God dwelt in the midst of his people in the center of this camp, right? Um and if we look at the intent of the law, it was the fact that there was a holy God. We mm-hmm. can't we we don't need to let go of that. There was a holy, righteous, pure God that was actually dwelling among them. Mm-hmm. And so as a as a broken, sinful people, I cannot live. So even the law is now protecting me. From God's holiness, right, right, and because so you're gonna die. <laughs> that's right. That, that's what you deserve. And those law, a lot of those laws, become sacrificial and rituals and festivals, those kinds of things, to point out the impurity of the people mm-hmm. and the purity of God. Right, mm-hmm. and and so in practicing these laws, the intention was always to keep us pointed toward God Himself, uh, toward the One who can save, mm-hmm. who can make us right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the problem became the people made the law their God mm-hmm. instead of God their God. That's exactly
3: what and, Paul is saying there. Right. And yeah. so
1: so even in the in in the recognition that when when I am able to do something that is good and righteous, mm-hmm. to recognize that that doesn't come from me. Mm-hmm that that is a that is a gift and the grace and mercy of god that mm-hmm. allows that thing to happen and then when i break the law it brings about a a moment of of sorrow mm-hmm. and r- regret and hopefully repentance right. yeah. that now turns me back in the right direction right, right. that's good so it's all it's all all about i'm going to face the one who is my savior who mm-hmm. is my lord mm-hmm. um and i think even um i read something um that even when they brought the sacrifices and the um, the believer or the Jew or however you want to describe them, placed their hands on the that head. animal, mm-hmm. it was to say, "I am responsible for that death."
3: That's right. Mm-hmm. You would um, feel it die. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. and so there, there's this whole idea that the law is there. One in our in our goodness and righteousness, if we want to say. Like we don't, we don't have that, that, that goodness and righteousness comes from God God himself. Mm -hmm. And the breaking of the law is, is meant to turn us to the one who can redeem and save and make clean again. Mm -hmm. And so, so to me that the intent of the law is that to keep us pointed toward Christ. That's right. Yeah. The danger comes is when we make the law our God.
3: That's right. And so. And you know, I think the, we, we are getting close on our time today. uh, And there's a thought that has rattled through my head probably the last year of 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 really this getting ready for this, um, so you have you have the Jews and the Gentiles, mm-hmm. you have the Jews who had the law, the Gentiles had no clue what the law was, right. more than likely, mm-hmm. and they're just as much a Christian as what Paul is saying, than the, as the Jews are, if if they are believing in Jesus Christ. So mm-hmm. the law isn't what saves you; Christ is what saves mm-hmm. you. And so the Jews may, and, and here is where I think I may find myself more of a of a Jewish side, maybe even more of a Pharisaical side, mm-hmm. to say yes, you need Jesus. And And you you still need need the law, right? (laughs) So so you need need to know what he said. So you need to read. Here's what's rattling my head and in my heart over this last year is we don't get – so we say we're the people of the 66 books. Mm -hmm. That doesn't happen to like 300 A.D., Mm -hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So so what are the 300 years of Christianity when when we read through Acts the church is absolutely exploding under extreme persecution mm-hmm. god is doing miraculous works around the globe and we we see this taking place what are they clinging to what what is it that that is guiding them right. and leading them and and I think that goes back to when we get to Acts chapter two, they're devoting themselves to the apostles' uh-huh, teaching, uh-huh. to the breaking of bread, to fellowship and to prayers. Like that is vastly important uh-huh. for them. Still should be vastly important for us. Right. But we shouldn't discount also the New Testament writings, because those letters uh-huh. to them were as scripture. Uh-huh. When they when they would hear it, they would feel like because Paul makes the big case that he is an apostle. Uh-huh. Like he he has to he really fights for that that distinction. Because what that would mean is he is now God's mouthpiece to these people. Those letters are equally, equally as important to me. That, that's a, I think they're equally important as the law because right. it's all the scripture. It's all holy. It's all inspired. It's all inerrant. And we need both because church history would tell us those first 300 years, we, they, they didn't have the 66 books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure, they probably had some of the law or, or
1: all of the law, but they also had the, the yeah. letters that are written by... Yeah. Mm-hmm. the the apostles. I, right, I, I think sovereignty of God is Jesus comes to help try to clarify the law, mm-hmm. and and you have some of the happening even the letters Sermon they're, on the Mount. Yeah, they're they're still trying to clarify what is what does this law mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and I think yeah, I, I
2: think that's a good picture um, because I, I you, you just think about it. Did did the first century church disciple the new Gentile believers by bringing in the law? Mm-hmm. Did they say, "Hey, you're you're new Gentile believers. Let me show you the law because you need to uphold this."
3: They wanted to. They, the they were trying to. Yeah, it's exactly mm-hmm. that's right. The fight here. <clears throat> and like, and no, think, we don't. don't and tell I think me.
2: The, the idea was, look at Jesus, walk like Jesus, walk in love, look in Acts, and mm-hmm. and, and and I think that's a. Again, I don't want to dismiss the law. I get it, but I feel the tension there. That's mm-hmm. that's what I'm feeling. Like, what do we use to disciple people? What do we use mm-hmm. to to grow them toward maturity, well, it's not point them to the law. It's point them to Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's right. Now, well, who is the fulfillment of the right, law? Right. right. But, it's, it's, but the model for them, when I'm taking my kids and I'm training them on how to act, how to live their mm-hmm. life, it's look at Jesus and how he lived his life. How did he love? How did he care for people? That's the model more so than pointing them to a bunch of rules. Right. That, that's not the method i I use maybe I should, but that's not the method I use so i'm not, I'm not bringing up all the well, laws I'm trying to point them to a way of
1: life yeah, well, I think we're just saying Jesus becomes the standard mm-hmm. and, right and so if Jesus fulfills the law mm-hmm. right and yeah. he is the standard yeah. then by I mean like by correlation then yes he yeah. you're fulfilling the law and that's I think right. there, if there's you're following a standard Jesus. throughout that's right you
0: know as I read. As I read the uh, New Testament letters, epistles, I, I have the same struggle as when I put myself in the Jews' shoes <laughs> from their background and, and trying to live out these laws. And it is, wow, this is hard. Mm-hmm. I cannot do this on my own. When I, when I read things in the New Testament of how we are to live, I find myself going, man, man. I can't do this on this. my own. That's right. When I read what, what those laws in the Old Testament were, mm-hmm. are, mm-hmm. I go, I couldn't do that on my own. Yeah. And so I think it brings us to the same, or should, that's could right. bring us to the same conclusion. Sure. And that is we we can't do this just by trying to live all the rules. Right. We They are a standard, right? But that's not going to get it because we're that's never right. going to hit it. We're
3: never going to be able to do it that's all. Right. Right. That's exactly right. But uh, again, here's my tension. I know Mark and I, we always go, go rounds at this. The New Testament is filled with Old Testament language. Wow. Mm-hmm. Like there's not, a, there's not a book that exists in the New Testament that is not tying references. something sure. of the Old Testament. So it matters. It matters. Really important. So we're in Romans right now. We will be for the next foreseeable future, mm-hmm. which I'm thankful for. It's an incredible, one of the most incredible books ever written. But you have Hebrews coming up, right? So I don't know when we'll preach through that, but for me, that's the book that bridges the two testaments mm-hmm. together. together. Because whoever wrote that book saw great importance of what was the law and why God's heart behind it, but he would say it's it's shadows. Whoever whoever wrote that book would say that is the shadows, but it's pointing to the substance. Mm-hmm. But you don't throw away what the law is saying for the sake of 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 whatever the substance is. So for example, I hear what you're saying, Mark, but that sounds like that's combative. I hear what you're saying, and
2: that's okay. I'm going to go print out 116 th- laws, <laughs> 613 laws are going to be printed out all
3: over my house, and my kids are going to have to They're start obeying the be, laws. No, but if we just say that's what I hear saying, here's my dang, here, here's where I feel like I'm like oh, don't don't say that. When we just say, just do what Jesus did. We're not Jesus. That's right. He's Jesus. You can't do what he did. He's perfect. We're not. We we can see him as the standard that fulfills the law. But if, we're, if we tell our kids, just go do what Jesus did, we're setting them up for failure. They're not Jesus. They're not perfect. They can't fight the way that he fought. In Christ, in mm-hmm. filling us, mm-hmm. we can work and live in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in our life. That's right. But I think it's a dis, an injustice, that may be even a, a bad word, but I'm going to use it, to say to somebody Just go do what Jesus did You know well, back in, in the, the day, same what would sense Jesus though do... It would be
2: injustice to say Go obey the law
3: well, You can't do that either You can't do any of them y- Yes But you still have the standard I think it's both I think it's both and That's why the New Testament Is the New Testament
2: Right But I'm just saying Why'd you pick Jesus And not Because the... you said Jesus
3: <laughs> Okay But <laughs>
2: Yeah, but you said – You ten, said that you I'm going to tell the, my kids, just go do what Jesus did. But you said you just go tell them what the commandment said.
3: <laughs> yeah, don't kill, don't steal, don't murder. Honor your mother and father. Have no other gods they, before They can't me. do that either. You can. You can fight that fight in our simpleness because that's what it was given right. in, in Christ. But I just think sometimes if we just say, go do what Jesus did, it becomes really um, open for interpretation. Well, Jesus didn't necessarily speak against this, so therefore it must be wide open. I can do whatever I want to do there. Or Jesus spoke really clearly against this, so there's no more room for, for interpretation there. We have the whole Bible, and we need to use yeah, the whole Bible.
2: Yeah, but I think it's important to use Jesus as the one we follow. So That is a disciple. Yeah, we've we've True, committed yeah. our lives to him. I mean, sure. as a disciple, I follow right. you, and I want to be like you. Yeah. Follow, and that's come. what I teach my kids.
1: Yeah, and I think, I think coming back to – like you said, we can't do it. Right. Mm. We, so, so it has to, all of the law, all of God's word is, is creating or should create in us this dependence on Christ. Um, not on myself. That's right. To be what we can't. Yeah, that's right. Um, and so, and, and I think once again, I, Paul even talks about in the beginning of his letter we we fail to be grateful or be thankful, mm-hmm. right? He even points that up to, to why we're broken because we, we fail to recognize that we should be thankful for this God who's created us and, and even given us existence, right? Um, that failure to be grateful and the failure to be repentant leaves us in a really dangerous place. Mm-hmm. Um, but gratefulness and repentance together puts us... In a place that we say we're dependent on something other than ourselves, mm-hmm. right? And so,
2: I think that yeah, that place of brokenness is mm, the right. But the 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 balance is there's still a life of obedience.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I don't know if it's a yeah. balance, but that is the outcome.
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, that right. is
2: that's what you want from that posture. Yeah. Right. There is obedience. Well, it's what, gotta have that posture.
1: Humility sure. and brokenness.
0: Right. And what is the standard we look mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. for? Mm-hmm.
1: That's right. Here, here's where I wish, because we know that
0: this there was division over you know these two groups and different things. Here's where I wish I could, you could be in the room with them mm. as as new uh, believers yeah. are sorting out. So wait, you have how many laws? <laughs> Six hundred and thirty, and, and now we're supposed to keep what? Tell me about those laws. What Milu? Yeah. What? Well, what's that about? You know, and to hear the dialogue, and even probably to hear the Jews trying to sort through like the why behind. Like we've always done it this way, right? So there is a why, but do we even know the why? Or has it become tradition? Mm-hmm. Has it become this is just how mm-hmm. we do it and how we've done it for centuries? But to
3: hear them navigating that would have been
1: mm.
0: it would have been fascinating,
1: right?
3: Mm-hmm. And can you imagine like uh, now putting what we've just discussed and just thinking through when Jesus, when the Pharisees look at Jesus, and they're trying to catch him. What's the most important mm-hmm. of all of those laws? Loss. Mm, right. He said, "Love yeah. the Lord your God with all oh. your heart, soul, mind, and strength, yeah. and love your neighbors yourself." Yeah. And that's it, right? Like, yeah. like it is those two things that. that all of these laws hang on. Hang on. Yeah. Hang on. Mm-hmm. And so, so for the the Pharisees, no doubt, like they would have the same tension. I'm like, but what about the what about <laughs> these? What about that? You need that. Yeah. She's like, no, it's 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 God, and it's people. That's the whole reason you got the law in the first place. <laughs> that that's what everything's hanging on. That right there. Yeah and you're going to live according to it. Uh-huh. And so, uh, to, you know, to Mark's point, I, I believe that's right. I just, you know, sometimes I, I feel better having a script to follow as opposed to <laughs> mm. maybe even a, a spirit leading. Um, and and um, that's not to sound super charismatic. You're a legalist. I am, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, am, uh, I, I like it to sound better. I'm a biblicist. <laughs> um, it, is, it is certain I have leaning more towards in that way. Um, but, you know, I, I think that's why when Jesus calls his disciples— he doesn't look at them and says, be me. Mm-hmm. He says, follow, follow me. Right. That's different. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes we want to look at our kids and be, say, be like him. Do, and, and I'm not saying that against what you said. Like, that's what my heart would say. I, I want to be like him as much as I can. Jesus said, no, man, I just want you to follow me. Mm. I'm going to show it's you. Gonna... I'm going to guide you. I'm going to lead you. Follow me, and I'll show you everything that you need to know. Mm. That's scary for me. I'd rather be like, okay, step 1 Give me is, the list. is right. That's right. You
1: will have no other gods <laughs> before yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's helpful for me. So this is great tension mm-hmm. and um and as you mentioned on Sunday, we are inching toward We're getting closer. Good news. <laughs> this this good news that closer. is Jesus and so uh so this next week we'll launch into Romans chapter 3. Romans and three so um, so, looking forward to that. But uh, always a great time in here mm-hmm. and uh, talking with you guys, and and once again, just holding scripture as the authority in our lives and wrestling over it mm-hmm. and and saying, "What what does this mean for us?" And mm-hmm. so, um, and so thankful for you guys. Uh, great day, and uh, so see you uh, next time. See you see next week. Love you guys.
2: Love you guys.
0: This has been a production of Broadmoor Baptist Church. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with others and don't forget to subscribe.
2: To help us spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe as well. They can find us wherever they prefer to get their podcasts. And if you'd like more information about Broadmoor, please visit our website at broadmoor.org or connect with us on your favorite social media platform where we're listed as at my Broadmoor. Thanks for listening.